This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 197 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands On Gloves, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing and grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have some beautiful people that are, they want you to get outside and enjoy your animals. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I have my producer, Jen, with me today because I couldn't do it without you. Greetings. How's Debbie? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm excited. This is a... This is that time of the year where you better be excited because if not, you'll be overwhelmed and you'll get run right over. (laughs) Yes, December will run you over. You are right. Yeah, no, it's really fun. It's fun being on a farm. I I don't know how many listeners are able to do that, but it is really fun living on a farm during Christmas time because you always have a built-in team, a bunch of people coming and going. We've got owners, we've got team, we've got horses. It really is beautiful. The only thing we lack here is snow. What do you do in Ocala, Florida? With that? We thankfully lack snow. To if it snows in Ocala, Florida, there's something amiss. Whoa! Yes. Yeah, I yeah. Global it. warming is over. G- yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The heck with global warming. It's the end. It's the end of days. I miss. I kind of miss chilly weather a little bit because back in the day when I lived up north, autumn was always my favorite time of year, and I do yes. miss that just a little bit. But you don't have turning leaves or anything like that. We do have trees here that the leaves turn. Not a lot of them. It's mostly (laughs) the type of oak tree that it's green all year round. The leaves uh, fall off the tree and turn brown sort of at the same time. So all winter long, the trees all have leaves on them. So we don't get all the pretty colors and stuff. We do get a lot of mist this time of year. I like that. Ooh, okay. Kind of movie-like. Then. Yeah, it's very movie set-ish. Yes. <laughs> that sounds really cool. Yeah, no, I'm hoping people are enjoying their December if you're listening to this during the Christmas time. It's very exciting. I hope you're getting your horse's healthy things and not feeding from the hand. <laughs> there you go. That's my, put, there's my put Christmas those, wish. Put those carrots that you're giving them for the holidays in the bucket. In the bucket. That's right. Yes. You can, there's lots of ways to do it, clever ways to do it, not to attach a chair. You can even put it on a long stick and reach between their legs and so that oh, they have fun. to turn and stretch that neck. <laughs> a lot of little lessons going and on And you there. know what no, you can do? <laughs> you can use a, you know, and by the way, a really great stick to do these things with is just a bamboo plant yes. holding up stick that you buy at the garden store. They work great. Really good, Jen. That's a really good idea because they're light. They're, they're super right? lightweight, exactly, and they're easy to hold. And if you take a large, cheap plastic serving spoon from okay. the dollar store or your local mm-hmm. Mega Mart, that really giant one that gives you two servings of mashed potatoes in one scoop, <laughs> you true. can attach that to the end of your bamboo stick, and it's perfect for putting a treat into. Aren't you ah. are the best at this? You should be Pinterest queen. You should. <laughs> I love hacks. I'm just a hack person. I know you are a hack. Yeah, hack out and a hack girl. That's good. That's good stuff. Well, and speaking of really cool things and the holidays, etc., our two guests today, both, if you think about it, think about this when you're listening to them, both of them are good fodder for coming up with New Year's resolutions. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and we're going to get to our guests right after we hear from our title sponsor, Hands-On Gloves. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and am I excited to bring you the news of a revolutionary, new, all-in-one, shedding, bathing, grooming tool, Hands-On Gloves. They are fantastic. And you believe me, I've tried them all. Hands-On outperforms traditional curry combs, shedding blades, metal bristles, and all those things. Most animals will gravitate to you for more grooming and petting time. If you wear them, your animals will love you more for it. While using the hands-on gloves, you can easily handle water hoses, shampoo bottles, lead ropes, leashes, and anything you want with them on your hands. They are easy to clean, and they massage muscles and stimulate circulation, while helping to distribute natural oils for a healthy skin and coat. Hands-on is changing the way we bathe, de-shed, and groom our animals forever. 
hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. Mark Bolander and his wife, Lee, both are involved in the operations of Bolander Horse Park and the International Mountain Trail Challenge Association, including running clinics, giving lessons, and hosting challenges. I'm lucky to have today Mark Bolander on the line. Hi, Mark. Where are you hailing from today? We're in Washington State from Silver Creek, Washington is where Bolander Horse Park is. That is a beautiful spot. Beautiful spot. I appreciate that you took your lunch hour at the truck maintenance place to to uh, give us a little time because I know how busy you are. So if we hear some funny sounds in the background, it's not your trail <laughs> that we're hearing. That's but true. I am glad to have you on. I'm sort of like in the market right now because I've got real excited about a mountain trail experience that I went with my friend Nellie recently to up in Eugene, Oregon. And we are exploring having a Boulder mountain trail course right here in central California, where my family farm is. My mom and dad built it in 1966. And I just think everything you do is beautiful that I'm seeing. And so I thought I would just get you on to talk like to me today, Mark. Is that right? That is great. Yeah. I want everybody to know what this learning curve that I'm going on to is fun. And why don't you just answer the question, what's a Bolander Mountain Trail course? What the heck is that thing? Oh, Bolander Mountain Trail course is a little bit of functional art, very truthfully. I love art. I love beauty and I love building. We also have a construction company, and I've done it my whole life. And you can get me talking about horses and mountain trail courses, and I can talk for hours at a time. But as the discipline has matured over the years, the courses have been, uh, they've become a little more complex. And as I train horses, we find out that they can often do much more than what our expectations were. Ah, they good. can walk across. They can walk across ballast beams blindfolded. We've changed up much of what we have learned about training. Okay, so you've already said that you a lot of courses can be built for riding clubs that you know have pool noodles, and that's all fine, desensitizer, even teeter-totters and things like that. But in nature, though, a horse takes on different challenges, and I'm thinking, well, Mark must work with the brain. So how do you lay out your trail course so that you think, well, this is a challenge, and may- do you lay it out so the like, easiest ones first and then head to the more difficult ones, or do you just do it with the beauty of the land and take what comes to the horse first, or how do you do it? Well, each course is designed to fit the site and okay. utilize uh, there's a the start. land, but when we train, we start with the easier obstacles. What we're looking forward to is building confidence and boldness in that horse. Okay. We are taking a horse and showing it what it can do, not what it can't do. Okay. So you're not so just we'll, trying to torture horses by giving them the most insane things to do, right? <laughs> it's not no, a torture. No, no. We'll start with something fairly simple and that will build their confidence a little bit. Then we'll nice. start with a little harder one and we'll start moving up the ladder. And usually, depending on the horse, and they each horse will have some obstacle that's very difficult for them for some reason. Sure. And it's never the same sure. one. Some horses, the cross bucks are tough. Other horses, they don't even hardly notice it. Others, the Texas two-step. They all take a second look at the squirting water box. So we don't start with a squirting water box because if you try to impress people with your training, and at the same time, you're scaring the horse to death. Right. That is cruelty. That's abuse. Okay. So, so how did you start then? Did you use this trail as a way to train your horses? I okay. did. Matter of fact, the first 30 days when a horse comes in for training, it's all groundwork. We don't even ride them, even if the horse is already broke. Okay. We start with the mine and we then teach the obstacles. And so at the end of 30 days, we expect all these horses to be turning at around 180s and 360s on the swinging bridge and the rolling bridge. A rolling bridge is when they get on it, it actually rolls back and forth. Oh, yeah. Real wow. Riding. Yeah. We expect them to be walking across the balance beams. We expect them to be turning 180s in the squirting water box. We expect them to step down into the water, hop up four-foot jump. Wow. Uh, all that, that is an expectation, and they never disappoint us. Then, and here's what's fascinating too, we don't ever work on the right side. 
the we right side. That. Okay, so you mean on the right side with one exercise because okay. in horse training, the given is always do everything on both sides because they have a split brain, correct? Well, but very little gets passed there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Turns out, and there was a study that came out of the UK that uh, CSU, Colorado State University shared with me, came out of the UK about five years ago. Okay. A horse cannot read humans or facial expressions out of their right eye. Interesting. They don't want you on their right side. And you talk to any trainer, 95% of all the horses, when you start them, they're very hesitant about you being on their right side. So we took this, we took 57 horses and said, okay, we are not going to worry about doing anything on the right side of this horse. We're going to strictly concentrate on teaching them everything from the left side. And it was fascinating. We noticed that we had lower heart rates. We had less sweat, less switching of the tail, less pinning of the ears, less tightening of the muzzle and around the eye, all signs of stress. Mm -hmm. And they also seem to learn at twice a week and with half the time. So then we combine that and we didn't do anything 50% of the time and just train the other 50. And it was like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. This is too easy. (laughs) And then after 30 days, we went to the right side. I and see. it was as if we'd always... That brings up one thing that I did hear, though, too, and I don't want to forget to ask you about what's that one obstacle that you do train on the right side, But because people might be thinking the same way I am. But I did hear that we may be training our horses incorrectly in that. Let's say we want to go work on lead changes today. And you go out there and you say, okay, so I'm going to work this long on the left lead change and the right and the figure of eight. And they said... That once they did a study too, and I wish I I didn't know I was going to ask this question, but once they did this study, they discovered that it is a much slower process than if you go out there on Tuesday, you do left lead, you know, left lead, left lead, left lead work. And on Wednesday, you go do right lead, right lead, you know, and you don't, you really habituate is the word I'm looking for at first. And then you can, the horse can integrate as they mature and become more of a bridle horse, frankly. So I thought that was an interesting study too. Do you think that some continuity here to what you're saying? I completely do. Okay. One of my six professions, I'm actually a teacher. Six? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't find training horses a lot different than uh, teaching people. Yeah, good. One thing I know when we teach people, we have a lesson plan and we have a goal. And that goal is breaking down into a series of steps. If we taught people the way we normally train horses, we'd be all blithering psychopaths, in my opinion. (laughs) Because we all want a world champion yesterday. Yeah. It's not realistic. And so, yes, if you do something, in some areas, these horses are much further along than we are. In other areas, you have to break it down, slow it down. For instance, their ability to read you is far superior of your ability to read the horse. Mm-hmm. And if you just have to humble yourself and acknowledge that, mm-hmm. if you work on something consistently once a week or something like that, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of stress out of them. Okay. Stress, when a horse is stressed, their head's up, they're dumping adrenaline, and they yep. don't learn when they're in the flight mode. Right. They learn when they're in the relaxed mode. Yeah. Monty, that's yeah, why that's, the trail opposite. Yeah. That, yeah, I think that's exactly why we want to have a trail obstacle course here, too. Dad always says, Monty, it says adrenaline up, learning down, adrenaline down, learning up. And I can't think it a bit more succinctly than that. But so what is the one obstacle that you do train on the right side? I'll, so I don't forget that question. Okay, so we teach them to back up without looking at them. Right. And then we teach them to go sideways along the rail from right uh-huh. side and left side. That's Good. the only time we even worry about. And we'll move the uh, haunches from right and left to a couple little exercises. So all the exercises that we used to do, many of them are gone. Mm-hmm. That one exercise to get the horse to back up without you looking at them, I find it to be more powerful than all the other ground exercises combined. Mm-hmm. Here's why. When a horse backs up for another one, they acknowledge that you were a buzz. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but that's their world. They have a pecking order. 
Sure. So when you establish yourself as being the senior horse or the alpha mare, so to say, it triggers an instinct to please. Mm-hmm. An instinct is a hardwired that they can't deny. And so when that instinct is tripped, they might be shaken, but they're going to try that teeter-totter for you anyway. They might be scared to death, but they're going to step in that squirting water box. They might jump 10 feet, but they're going to come right back and try to please you. Yeah. Yeah. That's my experience. I, I don't doubt it at all. This is all exciting for me. So give us an example of one obstacle that you think every course should have and why. Oh, man. If you have <laughs> unlimited funds, you need every one of them. The, the teeter-totter is a nice little starter. Okay. Uh, the rolling bridge is uh, nice. Uh, squirting water box, nice. Those are all fairly inexpensive. And remember, there's a big difference between an obstacle course and a Bolander Mountain Trail course. Oh, tell us. Well, how do you define that? Well, we've done a number of obstacle courses for indoor arenas so people can train in the winter and whatnot. They're very popular. Okay, cool. And they have the little bridges. They have the swinging bridge, uh, rolling bridges, teeter, they have all those obstacles that they can take out and put in, 10 or 15. A mountain trail course by Bolander is basically a 3D course. We sculpture the land depending on where we're at, and then we go ahead and add obstacles in a ranged order and the courses so we can run clinics and shows and at the shows we like to be able to run at least three patterns at once so have three courses going at once for the judging Mm -hmm. and that way it moves everything along so you might have uh level one level two in hand class all going at the same time on different parts of the course because if you have 300 goes to go on that day you have to move things along fairly rapidly yeah. So that's what the mountain trail course is a sculptured course. It's almost always going to have the trussle bridge. One of my signature pieces is going to have the water features, the water ponds, et cetera, that they can uh, cantaloupe through. And we don't canter. We don't lope because this is not English or Western. So we cantaloupe. <laughs> I was trying to think what kind of obstacles that look like. Oh, cantaloupe. I get it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so people love the, the water features in almost all the courses I've built in the last several years. All of them have the ability for horses to run through the water, and people love that. Oh, that's nice. I, I love that you, you I re- read somewhere, I think, that you said that human nature likes being in a beautiful setting. And that's why Central Park in New York is so well attended because it's nicely laid out. Do you really scratch your head and think through a layout like that so that not only the human, but the horse has pleasure going through it? Well, one of my... <laughs> It's kind of interesting where I come from. I love landscaping. I love architect landscaping. I love yard work. I love beautiful golf courses where we golf. I love beauty. Most in the mountains, when you ride in the mountains, beauty. God's great creation. I love that. So my mountain trail courses, I aim when they're all done and landscaped. I love beauty. I think most people love beauty if they can. So if I'm riding a horse, why not ride it where it's beautiful? Yeah. And they will come more often. And Central Park is the perfect example of that. Why do people attend that so readily? Because it's beautiful. The ponds are beautiful. The trails are beautiful. The trees are maintained. And so I I completely agree with that. It's, I like beauty. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems like the horses don't mind it either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I, I think it is uh, de-stressing for both, too. How do you keep observers or people out of the scenario? You know what I mean? It's like it, well, you want people to, to be able to observe and see what's going on and friends and family and that kind of thing. But Well, each course I design around the globe, and we're in like 12 nations, Each course is designed to separate spectators and participants, Mm. obviously for safety reasons. Yeah. And almost all the new courses that I designed, and that one that was on TV in Evergreen, Colorado, right out of there, all the people in the middle of the course, Mm. 
because this is a spectator sport. And so in our course at home, I think we have one, two, three, four or five different places where people sit with horses going around during the show or the patterns, or they're watching the clinics. People want to feel part of this. My wife and I love watching the World Cup and jumping over at Verona, Italy. We love sitting in the front, letting the dirt as they jump yeah. come in our plate because they're right in front of you. We yeah. love that. We love that feeling. So we design our course for safety and for the part the participants to be close to the spectators. It's a spectator sport. Okay. Yeah. But it doesn't interfere with that, that, uh, focus that the horse might have on the not, trail course. Okay. Not at all. Not in fact, I think it helps for these horses. For instance, when we're training, we often have people there and the horses get, so it's just part of the course. And yeah. I think it's very important for desensitization that these horses feel and they can address new ops. And it's just part of it. And we also have dogs at home who doesn't have dogs that have horses. I just, right. You know, does. <laughs> and these dogs will play and they'll run through the water. They'll run under the horses while we're riding. And I just go, yeah, yeah. And pretty soon the horses just don't even notice them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a safety issue for people. You don't need to go on a trail ride and a dog comes out of the brush and someone is injured. You don't need that. And so it's just part of our training. So do you do a refresh on your trail every once in a while? Like I would imagine if somebody's been going to the same Bolander course, they think, well, maybe next year we add something crazier or (laughs) whatever. Um, Do you do? (laughs) Many of the courses I design and build for people, we constantly upgrade. I add things in our course. We have major upgrades all the time. This year, we'll have another upgrade. Anyone listening, stay tuned. Okay. Uh, Some (laughs) obstacles that we'll be adding to our place at home. So yes, most people do an upgrade, but it seems that the people that go all in Mm -hmm. and do the trail course right, people don't get bored with them. We design each trail course for the novice, level one then, level two where they're trotting between obstacles, and level three where they're actually cantering between obstacles. You always walk over the obstacles, but when I was at the Quarter Horse Congress, and you can see that at YouTube 2018, Mm -hmm. where Checkers does a demonstration on the indoor course. Yeah, beautiful. and, And you can see... He just makes it look so easy, and that's level three. Yet, when he's turning around there in the cross bucks, it's anything but simple, but he makes it look simple. So the level three, I don't know of any rider at any level that gets bored on level three. (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) They always are looking for some new obstacles. So all the courses are designed for three levels and they have basically circles within circles so that people can cantaloupe throughout the or around the course. And then that's one of the factors we also look for. We have to have safety issues. We always have to make face the reality that people do get hurt. So we have to make room for emergency vehicles, but we hide it within the path of the courses. So people don't even realize you have roads going through these courses. There's circles where horses are cantering, but it's very important. That's great. Look at you. You've thought this all. So, okay. So somebody says, I don't know if I'm ready to build one myself yet, but I'd like to find one nearby. Do they get on your website? How do they find you? Yep, get on the website and start looking around where they are in the nation. And hopefully, if you guys build one down in California, they are a huge draw. People will drive eight hours each way. Wow. <laughs> Come and play and for lessons. It's, it's mind-boggling. We never dreamt in our wildest dreams from for someone that never planned to be a trainer or a clinician. We never imagined in our wildest dreams people would drive eight hours just for lessons. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So they come take lessons from you first, too, maybe before they decide what they're going to do. Yeah. And you're yeah. up in Silver Creek, Washington, which is a beautiful part of the country. And uh, I hope they will come visit you and or maybe you come visit us, too, and we'll meet everybody. That would be fun, wouldn't it? 
Well, now that the world is starting to get back to some sort of normal, our overseas travels will start again. But we travel all over the U.S. giving clinics and right. travel all over building these courses. Actually, all those courses on the website that you see, mm-hmm. they take six days to build. And what? then on the seventh day, then we go ahead and hold clinics and get all the excitement and everything. Sometimes we'll have a day off between building it in the clinics. I bet. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's all, yeah, because I'm a little tired. But yeah, so when I arrive, all the building materials are ready, the equipment's on site, everything that I know I need is ready to go. And six days later, you have a course with all the obstacles and the mountains and the ponds and everything else. Unbelievable. Well, Mark Bolander, this has been really fun. I'm so glad I know so much more now. I've been reading about it and have major fear of missing out on all this. So without FOMO, how do people get a hold of you? They can look at our website, uh, bolanderhorsepark.com. Or they can always, my wife is the best one to call at 360-269-6156. And you can email her. But the best thing is all this information is on the website, bolanderhorsepark.com. And it's easy. We're fortunate that we come up readily with Google. I guess we were the first one in. We had the first permanent mountain trail course in the world. And the rest is history, as they yeah, say. Yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. Well, I am honored to have you on. And I'm so glad you could come on Horsemanship Radio. And I'd love for you to be a regular part. We'd love to hear what's going on. Sure, anytime. And by the way, thoroughbreds do fantastic at this. Ah, there you go for our transition horse program. Nice plug. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> yep, we they do. We did off the racetrack thoroughbred challenge and ended up number two with Dakota Demon, and she was fantastic. And we have trained many thoroughbreds for this off the racetrack. In fact, we have one at the barn right now. Fantastic. I don't doubt it a bit, but a lot of people do. So get rid of that preconceived notion they're amazing athletes yep okay thank you guys so very much thanks mark appreciate you thank you bye 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 have a great day bye imagine if you could take monty to the barn with you watch and learn as he addresses each challenge with your horse and answers your questions too You head to the arena and you work on each new lesson, knowing Monty's there to encourage you, all with violence-free, tried-and-true methods. After all, he's been helping train horse lovers all his life. With his online university, you could be like Kathy, a retired teacher who just brought her first horse. Recently, I went to a tack shop to look for a smaller halter. I'm 61, just purchased my 14 hands POA the day after my birthday just a few weeks ago after never having had a horse. And yes, that's crazy, but as a retired teacher who never had a hobby other than teaching, I decided to go for it. My hubby and I have taken lessons this past year, but I really longed for a relationship with a horse. Um, The only other experience I'd ever had was to ride a horse in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown, when I was 16 and I got bucked off. And that was it (laughs) until I was 61. Um, Well, the owner of this tax shop, um, this is precious lady, 84-year-old lady, gave me a copy of this magazine, Equine Monthly. And the article I read in it was Horses Are Biofeedback Beings. And it was just so interesting. I really felt like I just found a pot of gold when I read it because in it, it talked about Monty's online university and that I could have access to 575 videos for $10 a month. And before that, I was just searching YouTube for everything I could find. But truthfully, that's just a pain. Um, I love that the uni videos are concise and they're in order. Um, They have extra notes and a quiz. And I just can't thank you enough for the huge blessing of your online university. It really has changed my life and I will never be the same. Um, I've had my horse Jack now for seven weeks and Thanks to the videos, I've done join up with him, and it really worked like a dream. Uh, I had to do it in an arena, but it still worked. Thanks to Monty's lessons and the cues and the hand signals, um, the ability to watch the lessons over and over on demand is incredible. So I also want to thank you so very much for making the online university affordable for this retired teacher. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone who really wants to love a horse. Kathy. Emily? 
Emily Doolin leads the U.S. fundraising initiatives of The Brook, the world's largest international organization focused on the humane treatment of equines. The Brook works tirelessly to ensure the right elements are in the right place for working horses, donkeys, and mules to be happy and healthy while they live and work in some of the world's poorest countries. Emily educates animal owners and communities, including children as the next generation of caretakers. Brooke is working to create change that is sustainable and enduring. Well, welcome. We've got Brooke USA's Emily Dillon on the line. I'm so glad to hear from you. How are you? I am doing great as always, and it's always such a pleasure to be on talking to you, not only because we love you, Debbie, but you know we love your dad, who's yeah. a global ambassador of the Brooke. You're so sweet. Well, he has been long time a big believer of what Dorothy Brooks started years ago. And for anybody who's not familiar with her work, do you want to give a little background of what Dorothy did that, that created such a sensation? From a personal standpoint, I absolutely adore Dorothy Brooke because she represents to me what what females want to be today, and she did it back in 1934. The story goes as follows. Mrs. Dorothy Brooke, recently married to her husband, who was a brigadier in the British Army, arrived in Cairo in Egypt. And when she got off the boat, the first thing that she saw were horses in disarray. She realized immediately that these horses were the vestige of our war heroes that had fought during World War I. They were hungry. They were poorly capped. Their hoofs were a mess. So the first thing that she did is she wrote a letter to the London Times and said, I would like to raise 5,000 pounds to purchase all these horses back and help those that I can and humanely euthanize those that I can't. Can you help me? And she received 25,000 pounds at the time. That kicked off what we call the Brook Hospital for the Animals in Cairo and really is the beginning of an organization that now has over a thousand employees worldwide. To me, she's a hero. We should be doing a movie about her. Right. She's amazing. Yeah. Think about it. In 1934, women probably haven't even known if they could vote or we had just started voting. Yeah, Rosie the Riveter was about all we could imagine back then, or Tokyo Rose. These were the most prominent women, but honestly, what she was doing, and those wonderful nurses that were over there as well, was revolutionary, absolutely revolutionary. And today, I mean, to throw out a stat, there's 100 million horses and donkeys and mules, and those animals support about 600 million of the world's poorest people globally. And that's a lot of horses that we don't think about. We think about in the U.S. affluence and we we work hard to take care of our animals and all that. But really, most animals on earth that are donkeys, mules, and horses are supporting a business. Am I right? This is supporting a family or more. My my favorite line is that they are the engine that mobilizes the developing world. Mm-hmm. They do anything that you and I know that a vehicle can do. They're tractors, they're school buses, they're ambulances, they're carriage horses. They take food to market. They uh, fetch water. It's it's extraordinary the role of the working equine. I always like to say, imagine a woman living in Ethiopia who has to travel five miles to go to the closest river to fetch water and then has to travel five five miles back to fetch water. Mm -hmm. If she was on her own, she would probably have one big basket on her head and that was it. And she would have to make choices like, do I clean my house? Do I cook my dinner? Do I give, you know, do we take a bath? What do I do with this water? But when Mm -hmm. she has a donkey, she's able to make all those chores happen. And more importantly, when there's water, we reduce the opportunity of disease. Mm-hmm. So these animals are truly essential to the livelihood of the poorest people on earth. They make under $2 a day. Can you imagine? No, none of us do. We live in this bubble a bit in the U.S. that way, too. So it's so important, the work that you're doing, Emily, and bringing that from the U.K., where Dad was originally made a global ambassador there. Mm-hmm. I think he was your first global ambassador for the 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 brook itself. And then there became a brook USA. Tell us a little bit about that distinction. 
So our Brook USA was initially thought as, as a kind of a department of the Brook, and it was established back in 2007. But they couldn't really get it to start until 2016 when we realized that our American donors and our American thought, American culture required a little bit of a different organization. So we are an independent 501c3 run by an independent board of directors. We are licensed to use the name Brooke and our missions are not identical, but they are synergistic, which is what's wonderful. So we, for instance, we support work all over the world, including the United States. Mm -hmm. Which makes us a little bit different. Yeah, but and it's wonderful globally anyway. And dad's been to India and seen the brick kilns and the hardworking, certainly hardworking animals and hardworking people too. And they're working hard to try to take care of their animals. But education, as always, is the key. And I think... um, that's where you bring in these wonderful ambassadors that are out there helping, endorsing, inspiring, and all those things, too. And I know one of the things Dad's real concerned about this donkey hide trade right now. So tell us why he's worried about that. Well, the problem with the donkey hide trade, and let's talk a little bit about what it's used for. Mm-hmm. With the emergence of a capitalistic society in China and a, and a growing middle class, old, ancient traditional Chinese medicines have increased in popularity, and there's a demand for all of them. One of them is called Yijiao. Yijiao is actually made from the gelatin that is derived from boiling the donkey hides. Now, that is a humane issue in the sense that many of these animals, as they get prepped for slaughter, their entire experience is horrific. They don't drink water for days on end. They're put in trucks that travel miles. They don't eat. We know that donkeys are sentient animals. They feel. So if they see something like another do- another donkey being slaughtered, they feel it. So that's a humane issue. Yes. It's also a very human issue is that donkey actually is the one that completely is the source of income for families all over Africa and in other countries in the world. So when a family loses their donkey, they lose their livelihood. Mm-hmm. That's so it. it's a huge it's a human issue and a humane issue. And I think that's what makes it so special to those of us who work in this arena, which understands both sides of the house, the humans and the animals. So What we decided to do in the U.S., Debbie, from a a Brooke family standpoint, we are fighting the fight in communities across Africa, sometimes in Pakistan, which it gets a little bit weird. We've seen that there's a growth from East Africa to West Africa. We've seen that there's now donkey slaughter taking place in Peru and in Colombia. But what we're doing in the U.S., which is very different, is we are asking Amazon to stop the sale of EGL on their platform. Right. If anybody that's listening to this just puts the word Ajiao in, which is E-J-I-A-O, into the product line at Amazon, over 200 products will pop up. Mm. So what we are asking Amazon to do is to take a step back because they claim to be a concerned citizen and a global citizen is to stop the sale of Ajiao on their platform. Okay. So... We've been asking their new president, his name is Andy Jassy, J-A-S-Y, to please do that. The way that people can help us immediately is to visit our website at www.brookusa.org backwards slash Amazon. And it will populate a letter, very simple, put your name in, put your email in, and send the letter out. Oh, I love that. That makes it easy. Thank you. (laughs) Today, we have secured over 35,000 signatures. Oh, my gosh, Emily. You need more. How many do you need? Oh, well, imagine. Amazon is what the largest retailer in the world. I would love to say a million, but whatever we can get. Yeah, so if I got it right... Amazon, even though it's now becoming pretty globally known that EGL is made from donkey hides, which means that they're starting to either turn the family business into EGL trade, or they're actually raising these poor animals for that kind of thing, which is horrible. And if Amazon stopped selling EGL on their site, it would do a lot to 
dissuade people from this hide trade. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, okay. because the United States is the third largest consumer of Ijiao in the world. Oh, no. The United States is, and it's a Chinese United herbal? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. it's because China, I think it's China, Taiwan, and then comes the United States. It's about a $12 million business. So put that in perspective. What does that mean to Amazon, really? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Let's go with nothing. Exactly. Let's go with right. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we will enlist. We're going to put this on social media too, because that's an easy thing to do is say, please don't sell that. We just, it's just, it doesn't make you look good. It doesn't make us look good. Let's just get rid of that one. We can buy something else like, uh, you know, toys for our kids or something. And the funny thing is that I know for a fact, because we have been speaking with Amazon and I must say they have been a delight to work with. They haven't granted us our wish, but they have been very professional. All these emails go directly to Mr. Jazzy's email. So I have heard word that he's like, they have said like, oh my God, look at all these emails coming through. So they, (laughs) they are aware, they're aware of the issue, which is a good thing. Okay. So we want to blow up that inbox. All right. (laughs) Absolutely. We do. And we, we recently had one of your, another ambassador, USA ambassador on, Dwayne, and we had so much fun with him. And he's, what a, an amazing person that you've been able to add to your board. How did the year-end goals go? I'd love to hear how you are right now. Here we, as we record, this will be out on December 15th. So if people want to have the opportunity to help you with your year-end goals, where are we? What do we do? So we had a very successful Giving Tuesday, which is the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. This year was December 30th. We set out to raise $50,000, and 56000 came in, which yeah, is wonderful. Yeah, awesome. So our goal for end of year is $150,000. So we're about, you know, 90-something away from that. It's doable. Because if we remember, it's not only the season of giving, it's also the last chance to make your tax deduction donation. Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. If you give to a 501c3, talk to your accountant and tell him you want a tax (laughs) write-off. Exactly. Just keep the receipt that we send you. So that's, it's by December 31st. And I actually believe that it's doable because a lot of people wait until the last minute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it it will allow us to continue the fight because I don't know if we talked about this, but we also have the AGL Act right now sitting in Congress and sponsored by Representative Don Beyer, which actually would halt, completely stop the import and sale of AGL in the United States. Should happen. Yeah, absolutely. You don't think, Emily, that they're using donkey hides here. They're importing this EGL from donkey hides elsewhere, right? So they're importing it from China because it gets, the hides get sent to China, it gets manufactured in China, and then it gets sent out. Mm -hmm. If you look at it, if, if you look at it online, to me, it looks like a bar of chocolate. Oh, okay. Okay. That's really what it looks like. It's a like a caramelly type thing. Mm. But but the act also, if you want to support the act, one of the things that needs to happen for the act to pass in Congress is we need people to contact the local legislators. Okay. And they can actually just go onto brookusa.org backward slash ejow slash act. What is it? Line? So they're line, right? Act. And it will populate again a ladder. It, if you put your zip code in, it actually tells you who your legislator is. It populates the ladder, and you just have to press the button. Oh, good. Simple. Okay, yeah. Keep it simple for us, people. We got a lot of feeding to do, so we gotta go. But Absolutely. that's great. That's great. Okay, give us the website one more time. The overall website, so everybody gets to read about you. So it's um, the for the AGL Act. It's www.brookusa.org backward slash GL hyphen act. Okay. Or go to brookusa.org and you'll find it there, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a big, it's the homepage. It's so important. play with our website because there is so much fun and interest and information about our work. Yeah. And everything that we're doing that it's, I think it's worth the time to just go there and navigate to the website. You're doing a great job, Emily. I so appreciate you and, and all your team too, which have been, how's Kendall good? Kendall is doing wonderful and Jenna is doing wonderful. I am glad to work with two of the most committed and passionate women that somebody could work with. Absolutely. A board of of directors that's amazing and a group of ambassadors that is extraordinary. They're the ones that I believe 
take responsibility for catapulting this organization into what the Chronicle of the Horse celebrated as the number one charity donation for the equestrian world. So well-deserved. So well-deserved. You've been with them for years now, so I really appreciate all that you do and all that you're going to do, more importantly. Is your horse showing signs of nervousness, inflammation, pain, or digestive issues? If so, American Harvest Products might be the solution you need. This Montana-based company develops the highest quality hemp products and offers a line specifically for horses, including CBD oil, premium hemp extract, and equine hemp-derived pellets. American Harvest natural equine hemp pellets are vet-formulated and produced from natural hemp. The palatable pelleted formula is manufactured with potent raw CBD using no chemical processing, so your horse will love the taste as much as you'll love the benefits. If you prefer a liquid application, check out American Harvest THC-free CBD oil or premium hemp extract, which provides CBD from hemp extract. Look for the full line of American Harvest products at your local equine shop or any Hubbard dealer, or online at store.altech.com. And right now, American Harvest is offering an exclusive giveaway for Horse Radio Network listeners. One winner will receive a free 90-day supply of American Harvest equine products. And we have the link to enter in the show notes for today's episode, Horsemanship Radio, episode number 197. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place in the The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, I have a seven-year-old quarter horse gelding that is a cribber. What should I do to get him to stop this? And second, will the other horses in my barn learn this bad habit from him? Monty's answer. Cribbing or crib biting is also called wind sucking and a few other colloquial names. It is a habit generally thought to be motivated by boredom. I've never seen a Mustang in the wild cribbing. Many of the old books will classify cribbing as a stable vice. This seems to be valid since it generally occurs where horses are kept in small confined spaces. A cure for cribbing has been sought for many, many decades. There are stories about trainers who use rather harsh techniques in an attempt to correct the habit of cribbing through training. I have never heard of the discovery of a successful system of training any horse not to crib. I believe that once the habit begins, it is with the horse for life. In recent years, certain veterinary colleges have studied and perfected a surgical technique that has been effective in about 85% of the cases treated. I've personally seen many horses that were corrected through this surgery and found that they were unable to collapse the pharynx and gulp air into the stomach. The University of Kentucky did an experiment in the 1960s and 1970s on whether or not one horse could learn to crib from one another. As I recall, their findings suggest that there is some learned habituation from one horse to another. Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in January of 2022. We have, starting at the end of the month from January 29, the Horsemanship 101 course. That kicks off our year. And then January 31 to February 2, Introductory Course Module 1. That's the first steps to Monty's methods. And then continuing on in February, we have from 3 to 5, the Introductory Course Module 2, Join Up. And then 7 through 9 is Module 3, Long Line. And then 10 through 12, we have the preparations for the intro exams. So that puts the whole intro course together for somebody right in a row. And then 14 through 18, we have our popular Gentling Wild Horses course, five days. That's just wrapping up on the farm right now, too, and it's just amazing. And then 21 through 25, we have Monty's special training, and that is unique. And that's what we produce a lot of our uni lessons from, just depending on how unique the horses are that come. So that's February 21 through 25. And then March of 2022, we have 
Horses and Healing for our veterans and our first responders from 4 through 6, March 4 through 6, and then 8 through 10, we have the series of modules. First, the Module 1, 8 through 10, then Module 2, 15 through 17, then Module 3, 22 through 24, and Module 4, which is the prep for the exams, 29 through 31. And then getting long-term out there, April 2022, we have 4 through 8, our intro exams, and that's when they're moving on to be certified instructors. I'm real excited for them. And then April 9, we have Horsemanship 101. It's a one-day course, really simple, entry-level to Monty's concepts, whether you've been with horses for 50 years or five days, doesn't matter. And then April 22 through 24, we've got another Horse Sense in Healing. That's for our veterans and first responders. And our Gentling Wild Horse course right after that, April 25 through 29. And then May, we've got our advanced exams. And if you're prepared for those, you already know those dates, May 2 through 13, and then May 16 through June 3, we have an advanced course. And so those people that have moved on from their exams of the intro course are invited into the advanced course after having a lot of their videos previewed and corrected. So then June, that's real extended out there halfway through the year, June 6 through 10, we've got a Gently Wild Horse course, in case you haven't made the other three. And then we've got June 17th through 19th, my favorite, The Movement 2022. That's where we have a, a, a bunch of people come all over from all over the world and all over the farm to see how horses are affecting our lives in positive ways in many directions. And then June 24 through 26, right after that is our Horse Sense and Healing. And that's all I'm going to give you today, Jen. Oh, what, six months? In? <laughs> that's enough. Good golly. People wow. plan way in advance, especially with this COVID happening. You makes, know? My, makes my head spin. You've got so much going on there. And if you couldn't commit all of that to memory, you can head on over to MontyRoberts.com and you will find Monty's schedule. They have a shopping section to get dually halters, DVDs, etc. You can connect to the uni from there. So MontyRoberts.com, that's where it's all found. And for details about today's show, you're going to go to HorsemanshipRadio.com and you're going to find links uh, about our guests and topics. And by the way, at MontyRoberts.com, you can also get to the podcast. Just go there. Right. It's, it's everything. <laughs> A lot of information, too. And many thanks to our sponsors. That is We've got hands-on gloves, and people are loving those. I, I get asked all the time to send people to their uh, website, and how do you find them? And that is handsongloves.com. And also, right now, we've got our Monty Roberts University dot com montyrobertsuniversity.com it's a great gift for christmas <gasps> in case you're oh, listening for yeah. christmas yeah you get a gift certificate for that and they will love you so with their horses that's the best part and then we've got american harvest joining us for um, a little education in hemp so be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the horse radio network at www.horseradionetwork.com until next time, have many happy horse hours.